0: Hey, guys, Zach, back here with Clutch Crew Sports. And today we've got another analysis video uh, that we're going to put forward for you guys. Um, It's going to be analysis for NFL's Week 2 and college football's Top 25 Week 3. And I'm joined by Eric and Connor, the same cast as the last Tuesday episode. So we've got some familiarity with... uh, with how this show will be run. But uh, the this was, a, this was a crazy weekend in sports, um, and not so much of it was from the actual games themselves. There's a lot of news coming out after the games with injuries and trades and that sort of thing that's really starting to dominate and is going to be dominating the storylines for this week. And we'll be covering that stuff a lot, too, in our next episode for our previews for next week, because the Jalen Ramsey thing, he might actually end up being traded by that time in that episode, but uh, Mika Fitzpatrick's already been traded, and there's guys with injury news we're going to cover in this, but we're also going to look at the games played and tell you guys our thoughts on what we liked, what we didn't like and the games that were close and really competitive this week. Um, And we've got college here, too, to talk about, but this week for college was kind of a down week, in my opinion, similar to last week. Uh, We were talking before the podcast about how next week's lineup of games is going to be a lot better with Notre Dame, Georgia, uh, Texas A&M, and Auburn, I believe, are playing. Yeah. Uh, Wisconsin and Michigan. So those are three quality games right there. Plus there's other conference games too that are going to be of of note and of importance. Um, so the college games for next week, the spreads are going to be a lot tighter and there's not going to be, we're not going to be seeing too many, you know, schools like Lamar. our <laughs> <and, and, laughs> in our top 25 game picks here. I think Lamar has got its one and only appearance in our podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you go to Lamar or know anyone that, that has uh, tell us your thoughts on Lamar university. <laughs> <laughs> Cause uh, none of us know anything about them, but uh, we'll, we'll get going to the, the schools that are really going to matter for college football now. So Friday's game, uh, Washington State at Houston. Washington State won by only a touchdown, so we all got that game wrong. The spread was 8.5, so pretty close. Uh, Arkansas State at Georgia. We all got it right. Georgia won 55-0, so they covered pretty easily. Uh, Ohio State at Indiana. This was a blowout game that I did not see coming, and I really – I really got this one wrong because I I thought this was going to be the type of game Ohio State might end up losing on the road to an unranked Big Ten team, but they took care of business and uh, easily easily covered the 16 point favorites that they were presented with, and then a rivalry game a rivalry game here with Pitt and Penn, Penn State Penn State won by seven. And so we all got that wrong because they were favored by 17. But that was a really close game and uh, some coaching errors by Pitt. Uh, I kind of kind of saw that and and thought, wow, this isn't giving me much confidence for Pitt for the rest of the season if their coach is making these kind of weird decisions. And specifically, I'm talking about not going for a fourth and one in the red zone when there was only a couple minutes left in the game and they were down by seven. Uh, at that point, you've got to go for the touchdown. You've got to try and score and make it go to overtime. You can't uh, you can't hope for your defense to, to get a three and out and get the ball back with enough time to score again. Um, and even if you don't get the fourth down, then you still potentially have a shot to pin them back deep and make them and have good field position on your next possession. If you get a next possession, but, uh, so I, disagreed disagree with that. And that was really the only storyline that I followed for college this week. I, I didn't get to watch many games or, or see anything about college. So I'm really going off Connor and Eric's limited, uh, knowledge about this week too, but they have more than me. And then Maryland at temple, Temple got the win, twenty to seventeen. I predicted Temple would get the win, and it's one of the few underdog predictions that I got right this week. Uh,
1: Mar- Maryland, then, Maryland killed me like they did last week.
0: <laughs> yep. Uh, from now on, I, I've said uh, if Maryland's in the top twenty-five or playing a top twenty-five team, I'm just going to see what Connor picks and then pick take it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So if, Maryland, I, it, so if Maryland yeah. goes up against Ohio State, then and I pick Ohio State, Zach's going to pick Maryland.
2: <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, well, the, I saw this crazy thing, too, about Maryland, where this was, like, their fourth game in a row where, like, where they go from being unranked to being in the top 25, but then losing. Like, as soon as they wow. get in the top 25, they lose. It's, like, four <laughs> times in a row or something like that. I was like, so if that ever happens again, too, because they'll most likely go out of the top 25.
3: They did, the, yeah, yeah, they Temple.
2: did. So if they if they get back into the top twenty five at some point this season, pick the other team. <laughs> so
1: they're
2: they're, they're <laughs> not going.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, and considering that they couldn't like convert after the Temple punter but had that like seven yard punt.
0: Yeah, that
1: and, and it's like, and he was like, he was punting from his own end zone, and he had a seven yard punt. And It's like, how did you not manage to get a touchdown uh, off that drive when you're starting at like the almost the <laughs> ten yard line? <laughs> oh man, that's terrible. The, the drive I didn't see before that, but that Mike, too. God, that's bad. Yeah,
0: <laughs> the drive before that too. They they got um, they went. It was like they had first and goal, like the seven or something. They got to the one on third down. They couldn't get it, and they didn't get it on fourth down either. So Temple had two really impressive defensive stands there, you know, faced with pressure. So. uh. But that seven yard punt that was so bad
1: <laughs> <laughs> well actually I saw this on come on man too where it's like the there was a punt earlier in the game mm-hmm. where they talk about that yeah yeah where like he muffed it or where like the punter couldn't handle it and it went out the back of the end zone but like the punter was yelling at the long snapper because it wasn't the greatest snap in the world but like the punter could have handled it but he, he was on the sideline yelling at the long snapper. So then they showed that point, like, later on. I was like, okay, you can't blame that one on the long snapper for that seven-year point. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's all you. <laughs>
0: Dang, dude. Yeah. No no clapping or, or anything after that one. Like, those punters and kickers, you know, jump up and down when that moment comes. But uh, but fortunately for him, he's, you know, he was able to survive that because his team won the game. But, yeah. Uh, New Mexico at number seven, Notre Dame. Connor was the only one that got this right, as Notre Dame easily covered the thirty-five point spread, sixty-six to fourteen is the final score, and Notre Dame snapped their uh, streak against the spread when they're thirty-point favorites. Uh, Nate mentioned that as like his research from the last episode, and I, I'd already picked New Mexico, but hearing that made me feel even more confident. But seeing Notre Dame win by that big a margin I was surprised with just from the the history that had been going on there and then Alabama played South Carolina the first SEC game for Alabama they won 47-23 we all got that right uh, with the spread being 22.5 points Stanford at number 17 UCF, UCF won 45-27 to 27, crushing the 7.5 point spread that they had we all got it right uh, BYU in an upset win over USC. They improved at two and one now in the season, getting a field goals win over the Trojans. And Nate was the only one who got this one right. I can't remember if he projected them to win outright or if USC would win by a field goal. Uh, I think he
1: projected them to win. Okay. I, usually when the spread's it, that close, yeah, it's pretty it, much. Like a, yeah, yeah, it's pretty much a pick 'em usually when the spread's that close.
0: Mm-hmm. Um the next game, ten to seven was the final score, Arizona State being Michigan State. And uh Connor was watching this and we've got the uh the really crucial play at the end of the game here uh to show you guys yeah. on, on YouTube to watch. So just take a watch cheer. Oh, oh.
1: That, that,
0: uh, man, I thought that was going into the last. last second. <laughs> <It> said, <"Lied>
1: <laughs> last. <laughs> yeah. So on even like, I forgot to mention this, but even like the Arizona state's touchdown drive before that was like a really close, they like barely got it into the end zone on that. It was, they had to review it, but Arizona state got it. So, uh, Michigan state got led, led down the field, but then, yeah, I think it was right here. It was just like, it, I mean, like, it was clearly a touchdown, but it was still close. Yeah. Like, um, but then Michigan State, you know, they their quarterback led them down the field. And then he, oh, so here's, he
2: made this one. Yeah,
1: here's the previous play that he made the field goal. But basically, Michigan State got called for 12 men, and they actually had to go to the booth to review it. And they reviewed it and saw, yes, that there was indeed 12 men on the Michigan State side. So then, so it's like okay, well now we have to come back and kick this field goal again, which you know led to Shankopotamus over there. Shenkapotamus.
3: <laughs> oh my gosh.
1: But then after that, the but then so there was that controversy on the previous play with the twelve men, but there was also controversy on this play too, where if you want to keep an eye on yep. the guy, and, and I, think I think it was it, the,
2: December fifteen.
1: It was either number 15 or number 16. I can't remember. It's you 50, wanna... the
2: one in front of the ref because he yeah. charges. Yeah, it's 15. He's yeah, number,
1: right, yeah, keep an eye on number 15 right here, how he ends up leaping over the line, which that should have been a personal foul call on uh, Arizona State, which would have given Michigan <laughs> State another chance to kick that field goal. So a lot of yeah. craziness happening at the end of that game, but – uh yeah, hashtag Shankopotamus on the Michigan and and State not only today. that,
2: the <laughs> Michigan State kicker missed two other field goals earlier in the game, so it shouldn't even have come down to all this.
1: Yeah, but, wow. Uh yeah, yeah hashtag shankopotamus.
3: Uh <laughs> I would not want to
2: be that kicker like going to class on Monday. Like, <laughs> like, that would suck. Yeah,
0: hide yourself. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, <clears throat> all right. So uh, Iowa and Iowa State. Uh, a big rivalry game between the in the state of Iowa and Iowa. Really? <laughs> Iowa comes on top, eighteen to seventeen, and Nate and I got it right just because we picked Iowa State in the two and a half points. Uh, but Iowa won the game. Connor was frustrated with that. Uh, yeah.
1: I told these guys I was watching the game and I was all excited because I was like, oh, I was going to win. I'm going to get this pick right. But then I had the unfortunate realization of, well, crap, they're winning by one. And the spread was two and a half. So, yeah, Um, but also just want to mention there's a huge gap here at the end of the game on Iowa State's part. Oh, my God. So basically, you see the clock down there It was one thirty four left in the game. And this was Iowa was up 18, 17. they were up by one point. And so Iowa State was going to get the ball back and Iowa punted it to them. So normally when you call a fair catch, obviously, like if the other team runs into you, then it's a 15 yard penalty when you call a fair catch. Well, unfortunately for the Iowa State punt returner, it wasn't the Iowa guy who ran into him. If You keep an eye on the guy in the red jersey here (laughs) in this clip. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the guy right there. His uh, his own teammate ran into him. And the ball bounced off of his teammates' back right there. And <laughs> Iowa recovered it and was able to run out the clock. <laughs> like,
0: sho- I don't understand this guy right here at the Dreads. Shoves the Iowa guy out of the way, even on a fair, you know, like, it's a fair catch. So, yeah, so his like, awareness, like,
3: Yeah, golly. so like if, he,
0: if
1: he hits them, then, like, you know, you don't need to shove the Iowa guy. Because if he hits him, then it's a 15-yard penalty for you. Yeah, So, I, I don't know, that guy just had a brain fart or something. Cause, oh, <laughs> <laughs> Toasted cheddar <laughs> on the food chalupa review, is, man. <laughs> Taco Bell's yeah. new cheddar something. <laughs> Toasted cheddar chalupa actually looks pretty good. Um, now
0: he's got an Alex Morgan here in the screen. <laughs> <but,
1: laughs> <what> it's fate. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll be talking about that a little bit later, yeah. but uh, yeah, just a pretty hilarious gaff there at the end of the game for Iowa State when mm-hmm. You know, they could have had a chance to win it and just completely blew it.
0: Yep. Uh, the Idaho State Bengals took the loss to the Utah. Bing-
3: <laughs>
1: the Bengals. <owls.
3: laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, I, think, I
0: think the story for that, we've actually talked about that before on, on this show. I, I think you guys have mentioned that. Yeah, I think Eric too. talked about it one yeah. time. The about
2: the Bengal when I read it about the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. Like I yeah. mentioned it. Briefly, yes.
0: Um, So Utah shut out. Idaho State 31-0. But unfortunately, we all got that wrong. They had scored another touchdown. We would have gotten it right, but we we got it wrong. And then Kent State at Auburn. Auburn won pretty easily, 55-16. Connor was the only one that got that right. And then Florida at Kentucky. This was a really close game. Florida won by eight points, but there was a touchdown after the game was pretty much over that uh, made it look, the score look. Uh, well,
1: Florida came back in that better. game. I uh, mean. Florida,
0: Florida did have a comeback too. So, but with the spread that ended up being a tie and we don't include ties as uh, in our standings. So we just ignore it. Uh, but This is going to be Eric's rant of the week, so Eric, uh, the stage is yours.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I have to rant a little bit about this game. Now, I don't watch a lot of college football, so I will preface this by saying going into this, I don't know how the situation would normally go, but I just got really upset about the targeting rule in this game because there were... Situations for both teams where players got ejected for targeting. When to me it just doesn't really make sense. Like I don't know if we have. Is this the one? This is the one with the Gator. This would be the yeah. yeah we the first we one. don't
1: have. I don't know the first one. I was trying to search for it. Like a yeah. mystery on the first one. I don't know. Yeah, there, there was there was a Kentucky player who got ejected like in the first quarter for targeting.
2: Yeah, and I, I did not see that one, so I I hadn't started watching the game yet, but. See, to me, like Zach's going to let the play run here. I know it's going to go in slow mo, so I'll kind of. Mm-hmm. If you're watching this on YouTube, you'll be able to see this, but you're going to see what happens here is when the over, Kentucky quarterback throws the ball, when the Kentucky player comes down with it, another, the Gator safety is going to come into the play right here, at number 13.
0: Yeah, so keep an eye on, on this guy. He's the he's one I'm going
2: to be He's yeah. coming in to make the tackle, and. As the Kentucky players pulling away, yeah, you can go ahead and play okay. out. So he's gonna like hit him in the shoulder or chest area right there. And yes, that's a hard hit, but you know, the players they have pads on and it was like a that looked like a clean tackle to me. And I don't to me, this shouldn't even have been a penalty in in this particular instance yet alone a player getting ejected but my main thing that i don't like about the targeting rule is i don't like how a player is necessarily automatically ejected if a targeting penalty gets called because they get plenty of time to review this when they review whether these plays are targeting or not they they look at it's not like they look at it in live you know at live speed when it first happens and then have to make a judgment call on whether it's a targeting penalty or not. They get time to look it over. And so I mean, for this player to be ejected for what looks like a clean
3: mm-hmm.
2: tackle is absurd to me. And and if anybody's watching this knows me, you know that I hate the Gators like more than anything in life. Like, I mean <laughs> so like so for me to be advocating for this, like this should tell you something, because normal as a Gator hater, normally I would be like, "Oh, cool, the guy got ejected. Cool, get him out of there." Like that Kentucky, <laughs> na, 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 like
1: hey, 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 goodbye. Yeah, goodbye.
2: Wave <laughs> goodbye. You know what I mean? But but now we're go- we're gonna get but then then there's this other back. one later in the game on Kentucky, and this is at a really critical point in the game because this there's less than critical. six there's less than six minutes left in the game. Kentucky had a pretty big lead, but now Florida is trying to get the momentum back. It's second and ten. And says so, Zach, I'll let you let this play run yeah. out. So first, you're going to see a guy come in. I
0: number don't ninety. What...
2: Yeah, the... but before that, there's oh, another okay. right forty-five or 50, fifteen, and wraps it. Now the Gator player is lower to the ground. So as the Kentucky player number ninety dives in to make the sack, <laughs> he ends up hitting the Gator player in the head, which draws this next targeting penalty and this is huge because first of all this would have been like third and probably like 17 or something like that for the gators but then they get this targeting penalty which gives them a 15 yards and an automatic first down and number 90 is ejected from the game so i don't really agree with this either because i think players in this situation when there's a lot of players gathered around and they're going for tackles like that. There's going to be inadvertent hits in the helmet, like mm-hmm. all the time. To me, the targeting role needs to, to me, it's more, I like it better. Like in the other situation where there's a receiver coming down with a catch and they're defenseless and then they get hit in the head. And that is where there should be a targeting more. So, but I still disagree with that first one because he didn't really hit him in the head, but, This one, I don't think number 90 could really help that the Gator player was lower to the ground because normally in that situation, if the Gator player is standing upright, the way number 90 goes in for the tackle, he hits him in the chest or stomach and it's a clean tackle and it would be a sack. But because of number 15 wrapping him up, which lowered him down a little bit, that made number 90 to me hit the quarterback in the head and... So I don't I don't like either targeting call. Now, I, I mean, as I said before, I don't watch a lot of college football. You know, I don't see like many targeting hits and what's drawn is <laughs> targeting. So, I mean, I'm I'm not going to sit here and say I'm like a expert on this. But to me, this is too soft of a rule. And even with this one, even if you want to call the helmet to helmet for a 15 yard penalty, fine. But number ninety should not have been ejected from the game for this. This was not a malicious hit. He's not like trying to kill the quarterback. He's trying to sack I mean, what is he supposed to do? Like make an adjustment and then just wrap his arms around him and like, oh nope, you can't you can't tackle him like that. You gotta I don't know. I just it's really it's really frustrating for me to watch because you know, obviously I hate the Gators. I didn't want him to win, but I mean I was in you know join the game, and when the Gator guy got ejected, I didn't think that was right. I didn't think that number ninety getting ejected was right either. And it, you know, who knows like how it could have been,
3: dang, yeah. You
2: know, if they don't call that, I mean, it's a that was a huge situation, and I mean, obviously, I know like the Kentucky, you know, coaches and stuff were really pissed off about it. They were mentioning it in their press conferences, but. Obviously, if you're the team that loses because of something like that, you're going to be mad. But um, I don't know. I mean, I know we've we've talked about this like off the air, and I know Connor and Zach you know feel a little bit differently than I do about this rule. But I mainly it's not the targeting rule that I'm against. But since they review these, to me, in my opinion, they really need to. I think they need to make a change to the rule I guess regarding the ejections at least. You know, 15 yard penalty for helmet to helmet obviously. You know, if it's a completely defenseless player and the guy like almost blows his head off, obviously he should be ejected from the game. But when it's these guys trying to make a clean tackle and then it's more so like inadvertent to me, I don't see why a player gets ejected from that. Because what if what if there's like a accidental contact like what happened you know, to number 90 there, like on one of the first plays of the game, you mean to tell me he can't come in, he's ejected for the entire game. Like, I don't know. I don't like it. I, I personally would like to see college football make a change in the future about this. Maybe I'm in the minority. I don't know, but that, that's my rant topic for uh, today. I I would really like to see a change made with that in the future.
0: Yeah. So I, I'd say most of your rants, Eric, that you've made have been unanimous agreements with. But uh, for this one, Connor and I, I think, disagree with you a little bit. But I I understand certain instances where the, this rule um, can, like the ejections thing. And I, I also brought this up, too, how... And I don't know the answer to this. If anybody wants to do all the research and stuff, they can. But I'm curious as to if the targeting rule, since it's been out for about five years now, if it's actually led to a decrease of these kind of hits. Because the whole point, I don't think um, these two players that got ejected, I don't think they deserve to be ejected. But it's the threat of the ejection that I think is the goal of the NCAA to be like, okay, we're threatening your rejection if you do this. So it's, it has that created less of these, you know, helmet to helmet concussion type of injuries and stuff and made, you know, and made the game a little bit safer, which I don't know the answer to that. But I think if it has, I think it's, you know, it's, Fine as it is, I wouldn't change the rule. But if it has, if it hasn't, uh, then I would consider maybe easing back on the ejection qualifications, just because that's the whole point of this. These, hits, yeah,
2: I mean that—that's yeah. where my head. I mean, like I said, if like a receiver is coming down with a catch and a safety mm-hmm. flies in there and knocks his helmet off because he hits him so hard, so, obviously, like yeah. something like that should be. I'm not. I'm not saying well, there shouldn't. Any ejections like ever, but to me, like I said, since they can review this stuff, it, yeah, you know, it's not like they have to a
3: lifetime.
2: Yeah. It's not like like when that Gator one happened that I didn't like. <laughs> you know, if they weren't able to look at that in a replay, you know, in lifetime, it looked like it could have been, you know, a crazy hit. But they reviewed it. You could see clearly that even though he did lead with his helmet, he did not hit the Kentucky player in the head. And they, but he still got ejected from the game. Like, I don't know. And even like, and with the other, I mean, I don't know if this is just two like bad examples where the referees didn't get it, you know, didn't do a good job. I mean, I'm sure the majority of the time they get it right. But I think they need to change like what merits an ejection and what doesn't. I mean, I, like I said, I'm fine with the threat of ejection if, if you're going to go out there and, you know, make a malicious, you know, hit on purpose, you know, or something like that. But you know, if it's something that looks like more of like an accident, okay, give them the 15 yard penalty, but don't you know, don't eject them from the game. I I think they need to. I'm just I'm just asking for like a tweak. I'm not asking. I'm not saying like they have to completely get rid of ejections or get, completely get rid of the rule in general. But there there has to be some kind of adjustment made. I think to try to fix this a little bit.
1: Well, I'm going to answer Zach's question about has the has it increased or not. So here's an article that came yeah. out. It was December 19th of 2017. <laughs> so this was about a year and a half ago, or well, almost two years now that this has come out. So this was 2017. It said, targeting penalties in the top tier of college football reached an all-time high this season, and the Pac-12 and SEC had the most players flagged. It has been 10 years since the crackdown started on forcible hits above the shoulders of players determined to be defenseless. This season, the NCAA reported 188 enforced calls in 832 games. That is 31% more than last year when they were 100, 144 in 839 games. It is the fourth consecutive season that targeting calls have increased. Wow. Now, now, but the article does go on to say that there was a guy who's he's basically the NCAA's national coordinator of officials he says that he thinks the reason why it's going up is not because players like are scared of the ejection or anything like that's why it's not decreasing. He thinks it's because the officials are better at detecting it now, so like it's not acting as a deterrent. But the reason why they're increasing is because the officials are better at detecting it oh, because okay. they're they're looking for it more. Yeah, that, but 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 it is going up. It hasn't yeah. gone down. So. And
0: that's the thing. You would think it would go down. I mean, like, with that rule, with you being potentially ejected, you would think that defensive coaches would be like, you know, all right, save yourself from, you know, don't make as big of a hit or try and hit differently to save yourself from being ejected. You would think it would have an impact. Uh, I mean, this game is played so fast, you really don't have time to think about that. So I, I can understand why, but the fact that it's going up, yeah, that – I mean, that's just really interesting to to hear. Um, You know, this might be something we talk about later in the season, too, if it comes up again when one of us is watching a game and and witnesses this. But because from the most part, I would say when I watch college games and I see targeting calls, they tend to get it right. And that's why I haven't really had an issue with this rule, because they are allowed replay and it's actually, yeah. I want to say it's not even the officials in the game that make the call. I think it's league officials, so if it's an SEC yeah. game, I think in Birmingham, they make the determination. I assume other conferences have you know, the same sort of thing in different cities. Yeah. But, uh, well,
1: yeah, because yeah. there, was, there was a targeting call in the uh, App State-UNC Charlotte game last week, and I thought it was a pretty good call. Like, the UNC mm-hmm. Charlotte player clearly went for the guy's head and got ejected from the game, so...
0: Yeah. All right, so we'll move on from that and just touch up on the rest of the scores here in college. Uh, So now we're talking about Lamar again. Uh, (laughs) Texas A&M won 62-3, and unfortunately we all put our faith in Lamar to to, uh, not to win the game, obviously, guys, but to cover the 43.5-point spread that Texas A&M was given. They could not do that. Uh, The next game here, Clemson at Syracuse, you know, Nate predicted the the carrier dome to be rocking. I don't think it was rocking too much, (laughs) but especially at the end, Clemson wins 41-6, and I was the only one that got that right, and Connor was messaging me throughout the game, or at the end of the game, because I was actually, I didn't have much confidence at halftime that Clemson would be able to cover the spread, but they... Ended up going up by twenty eight points, and Connor was like, it "Looks like you're gonna lose the Clemson one." And at first, I was like, "Oh, maybe he just didn't see it right." But then he said it again, so I was like, "Oh, he actually thinks he's gonna win this." It's so like I wonder why. I was like, "Cause my TV slow." Like I don't know. Like maybe something happened. But uh but then he realized his mistake. I was doing math wrong. I yeah. thought it
1: was I thought they were up by twenty seven <laughs> instead of twenty-eight.
0: Yeah, so half point win for me. I mean that that's so close. Um <laughs> the next one here, Northwestern State University of Louisiana. Uh this is uh, pretty the, the interesting. The demons. <laughs> yep, the demons. They got a scary looking logo too, guys. Don't look it up. You might get nightmares. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh a 51 point spread for lsu and it ended up being a tie so that's pretty crazy um that the odds makers had a 51 point spread be a tie i mean geez uh but washington blew out hawaii 52 20 nate got that right he's the only one uh florida state at virginia Virginia wins 31-24, a 7-point win, like the spread predicted. So we all we all picked Virginia and tied on that. Connor, you were going to gonna say something?
1: I was like, going back to the Washington thing real quick. Yeah. you got to stop ripping on teams, man, because you ripped on Washington, and it got us both the pick wrong. <laughs> I know. Because <laughs> last episode, you were saying how you thought Washington was horrible. And I was, I was like, yeah, I agree with you, too. But it, that didn't work out, They. <laughs> Washington nah. must have watched our podcast and we're like, we're going to show those coach crew sports guys.
0: <laughs> yeah. And even FS useless too. And I said, right. That. right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's another, example. Well,
1: at least they still lost the game. Yeah. So.
0: <laughs> Jeez. Um, <laughs> I don't know if Eric heard me say that in the prediction video because he wasn't in it. But I called. I said FS Useless versus Virginia. <laughs> uh, no.
2: I I did. I listen. I listened back to the last episode, yeah. but since I'm not a huge college football guy, I skipped to the NFL gotcha. part. so Yeah. I, I so I did not hear that. But
3: okay. our Oklahoma.
2: viewer Ashley will be upset with you for saying that about FSU though. She's a big <laughs> FSU fan, so. <laughs> <I just laughs> so still call, make the comment.
1: still make the comment that they lost though
2: (laughs) she would probably agree though i I mean they're having obviously a they're having a tennessee type year so like she'd probably agree here
0: (laughs) there was also i saw a story about some kid uh is making like a go fund me thing to get 17 million dollars to buy out coach taggart's contract or something (laughs) i'm like Jeez. Oh
3: no, like, no. That, that,
1: that, that kind of reminds me back to when uh, the Buffalo Bills fan started a Kickstarter to fund Nathan Peterman's retirement. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs>
3: oh, God. <Okay. laughs> well,
0: so, <anyways. laughs> yeah, Oklahoma continues their uh, winning streak here in this season. Um, pretty big margins. Uh, we all got that right. They beat UCLA 48-14. Uh Texas and Rice. This game scared me a little bit because Rice was scoring points at the end of the game. Uh but Texas was able to cover the 31 and a half point spread. We all got it right. And then Portland State at Boise State. Uh late like night. <laughs> yep. Uh late night West Coast game. And I went to bed not feeling good about my pick. Woke up, saw Connor edited this and it was green. I was like, hey, that's pretty good.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was I was keeping track of that game, and Portland State was actually hanging with Boise State for a little bit, but mm-hmm. it finally eventually got out of hand. They won by thirty five. I was like, towards the end, I'm like, come on, Portland State, just like get a garbage <laughs> time touchdown or something. That's all you need. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, Nate and I got that right. Uh, we all got the Oregon game wrong after after Oregon dismantled uh, Nevada. They on,
1: 77 to 6. <laughs>
0: yeah, they only won by 32 against Montana, and you would normally put Montana below Nevada, but uh, so we all got that wrong. And the plus one game of the week ended up not being a great game as TCU ended up winning pretty big. but Connor and I both got that right. TCU beats Purdue 34-13. So that that's our college recap of the week. I expect next week to be a little bit more interesting with the games, uh, so look forward to that. Definitely going to be looking forward to watching those games more so than these games the previous week. But moving on to oh, and let me pull up standings for the call. We can
1: show the standings afterward. It'll we'll be okay. the NFL Do
0: that at the end. Uh, <laughs> Thursday night game. So this has been a little while since uh since we're recording this uh, Tampa Bay at Carolina Tampa wins 20
1: to 14 Carolina and, gave me a survival strike
0: <laughs> yep that was Connor's survival pick and fortunately he got it wrong and, and I also
2: them too. I'm so glad I didn't <laughs> the, I'm glad I glad I didn't
0: pick them yeah so th- this is one where I should have picked like an underdog here Tampa i picked the wrong underdogs this week really to win. Uh, but we all got it wrong. And then San Francisco at Cincinnati. I thought this game would be closer than it was. But uh, San Francisco wins 41-17. Nate's the only one got it wrong. And we wish he was on to, uh, to kind of Exploring. get some more thoughts about why he thought Cincinnati was going to. I mean, I didn't think it was going to be this big of a margin, but...
1: Uh, well, now, now the question becomes, is San Francisco that good or is Cincinnati that bad? <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll find out as the season goes along about San Francisco because they're in a pretty tough division right now uh, with both the Rams and Seahawks 2-0. Well, and
1: Well, even though the Cardinals haven't won yet, they've still yeah. won. Like, Kyler Murray's looking okay, so...
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so the Chargers and the Lions played a low-scoring game here. Detroit wins thirteen to ten, and I was the only one that got this right. So this is um, my my shining glory here for the week. <laughs> in that, game. that was like that was my my best one.
1: Yeah, and, and this is where it ends too. Yeah, it ends here.
0: <laughs> if you're looking at the top three, you'd be like, okay, Zach. You know, Zach's pretty good. He knows his stuff, uh, but. <laughs> It's going to get a lot of red down on my on my side um, of the standings. Uh, so, Minnesota at Green Bay, and I didn't watch this game, but I was following alongside the, the score as the game was going on, and Green Bay jumped out to a huge lead, and I was thinking, oh, man, I guess we lost this one again. And then Minnesota fought back, but... Uh, uh, Green Bay wins twenty one sixteen, and my friend Kyle, who's actually a Packers fan, he texted me this morning. Uh, Why is Clutch Crew Sports so down on on the Packers? And it really got me. You know, like I'm. I know the Packers uh, struggled in their Week One win, but I I think I'm going to be less. Uh, pessimistic about the Packers moving forward. Now they're 2 and 0. they're not going 16 and 0 or anything, but uh, I've you know I'm starting to be a little bit worried about my picks for them to finish 4th in the division, but well, it's yeah. still a it's still really competitive. Well, yeah, none, he,
1: none of us picked them to finish higher than third. I mean, yeah. Eric was the only one who picked them third, and the rest of us had them last. So yeah, I mean, I know I'm going to pick them next week because they're playing uh, Denver. So I'm going to be picking the Packers to win that game.
0: Is it in Green it's Bay? It's in Green Bay. Okay, yeah, I'm going to pick them too. But uh, we'll get to the Denver game though. My
3: yeah. my locks
0: <laughs> on this channel not been very good. I'm gonna I'm gonna impose myself a ban from locking. <laughs> maybe I, I Just, should yeah, um. I should
1: do it though because it seems like my locks tend to work out and exact sort of tend to not be very good
0: yeah my locks I feel like are a little bit more
1: more more uh, out there
0: yeah they're a little bit more out there than Connor's locks but still yeah that when I lock something I don't do it you know half-heartedly I mean it uh, I didn't double lock it but still a locks a lock. <laughs> <laughs> We can get into a lock versus double lock. Double lock is like, you know, bet your life on it. Uh,
1: like, 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 if you get it wrong, you're going to be having some consequence that you got to do.
0: Yeah, like the Twitter.
1: Yeah, some
0: uh, some people.
1: We're, we're not going into <laughs> that yet. Yeah, no, but
0: some people on Twitter, man. Uh, I'm, I'm scared to see. I'm scared to go on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> certain Jalen Ramsey trades happen. <laughs> but... Uh, um. Yeah, so, So, Connor, you want to give your thoughts on, on the oh, Vikings? Oh, it's actually practice? Eric. <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. I mean, Zach kind of covered the main points. I mean, this was a really crazy game because I remember when I was watching the Jags game, they are like, all right, let's go to a game break. And they're like, oh, Green Bay scored again, and they're up 21-0. to And I was like, whoa, oh, my God. Like, how are they? <laughs> I mean, I was... After the way they struggled against the Bears offensively, you know Minnesota is a pretty formidable defense. I was not expecting that, but I guess Minnesota obviously made adjustments defensively because then Green Bay didn't score again after that. But but I want to give kudos to the Green Bay defense because I know we all you know knocked them going into the season, and then I uh, even criticized them last week as an overrate. Which I still wouldn't rate them as a top five defense, but yeah, I criticized them because I was like, oh well, Mitch Trubisky was missing, you know, he wasn't seeing that he had guys wide open and Green Bay wasn't covering well. But you know, to <clears throat> hold a Minnesota team with Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, and Stefan Diggs to you know only sixteen points and to you know be able to fight them off at the end of the game, you know, I'm I'm i going to give them some credit for that. So I'm still I don't know if I'm completely sold for sure on green bay yet but i definitely have a little more confidence in them than i did when the season started and i'm at least glad that since i'm the only one that had them in third while everyone else had them in last at least if they do end up doing really well i'll look the least bad out of the four of us (laughs) but uh definitely i mean obviously i'm not a fan of them by any means but i mean i'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give them kudos for their start of the season beating two divisional opponents like that. So yeah, uh, we'll see how they do going
0: forward. Yeah. So the next game here, Indianapolis at Tennessee, NFC South clash, divisional clash, and uh, the Colts win 19 to 17 despite two missed extra points from uh, from Adam Vinatieri, and we all got this wrong picking Tennessee and. The reason I highlighted this game and talked about it is I thought, you know, that the struggles for the Titans against the Colts would end with Andrew Luck not playing because Andrew Luck had never lost to the Titans in his career as a Colt. And it the you know, the Titans seemed to always have the Jags number and But the the Titans can never... And the Jags always beat the Colts number. The Jags seem to beat the Colts a lot. And then the Colts always beat the Titans. So it's like a carousel of different things going on. And I'm just, you know, wondering, this Tennessee team, like, I'm really, you know, this seems to me like their Thursday night game against Jacksonville is going to be huge because in this division right now, one and one, is, is leading the division. You've got Houston one and one, Indy one and one, Tennessee one and one, and Jacksonville 0 and 2. So I don't know. This we said this division was going to be the most competitive and the most you know, any of the four teams could win it. And it this just seems like class book uh, like class, you know uh, I'm tra- I don't know what I'm trying to say, but like typical <laughs> Tennessee like um, they start out they win week one I think they won week one last year and they you know they win a game they're not supposed to against the Browns and then they lose a game they're supposed to win at home it just seems like Tennessee's MO to do stuff like that and uh, it's gonna be like I said that Thursday night game obviously I'm gonna have my my eyes attached to it but They seem average, and and that's what I think. They're not bad, they're not really good, but I wonder if average is going to be good enough to win this division with the play of the other three teams. Um,
1: I don't know. I was feeling really, really bad about picking the Titans to finish last in the AFC South after last week, but now I feel a little (laughs) bit better about it after this performance this week.
3: (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) For some reason, they can never beat the Colts. I don't know why, but... um, Eric, I don't know if you if you watch the game if if you have anything to say. About
2: I, I I haven't gotten to watch this game yeah. yet. I'm like curious about it since mm-hmm. it was so close, but I I did not get to see anything. Yeah, I right. just it didn't end in a tie somehow. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: New England at Miami, uh, New England wins forty three to zero, and yeah, guys, I was wrong on this. Uh, <laughs> I was the only one that picked Miami, you know. Probably in this whole like city I'm in, I don't know. Maybe some Miami delusional Miami fans would pick Miami, but I'm probably the only non-Miami. So yeah, that's true. Like I'm, you know, around Miami, but um, I'm probably the only non-Miami fan to uh, pick them to win the game, but. You know, you win some, you lose some. If I got this right, it would have been like, you know, I I spent a lot more time on this, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you
2: would have looked like a genius. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: It was business as usual for New England, though. I mean, yeah. So I, I don't want to talk too much more about that, but <laughs> I got it wrong, guys. I'm sorry. And then Buffalo at the Giants here. Buffalo wins twenty eight fourteen.
1: Yeah, hindsight's uh, twenty twenty. I was thinking about picking Buffalo for survival, but I was like, no, nah, I'm more confident in Carolina. So, you
0: know. Yeah, but so we all got that right. And Josh Allen was quoted saying, there's only one team in New York, which...
1: Which is you know, true. It's
0: true. Like They are the only team in New York. But obviously he meant that because they had beaten the Jets and Giants who have New York in their name. Even though they play in New Jersey, but uh, <laughs> I yeah. don't know. That's uh, do you like that, Connor? I mean, like, because it seems a little bit arrogant to say I something mean, like it's that. A bit,
1: it's a bit brash, but yeah. I mean, it's I can't argue the fact that it's true, though. Yeah, it, I, it's, mean, I mean, I mean, I because it's the way that it's the way that Buffalo fans think. I mean, just hmm. the team and the fans. They really they get really upset when you know everybody starts talking about these other teams in New York and Buffalo's like, well, we're actually the only team in New York. Like we are New York's team.
3: Yeah. The
1: giants and jets are New Jersey's team. <clears throat> Sorry. My voice went out for a second there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know it, it does seem a bit <laughs> arrogant for a young quarterback who hasn't really proven himself yet. So, but I mean, young players like to shoot their mouths yeah. off. I mean, I know being Jaguars fan, you know, Jalen Ramsey likes to do it a lot.
3: So, yeah.
1: uh, <laughs> uh you know, we'll we'll see. I mean, I know. Good, happy for my dad, though. Yeah, I mean, it's the first time in a while that the Buffalo Bills have started two and zero. So, yeah, who knows? Maybe it's maybe it's their year. I, I don't think so yet. De- <laughs> I mean, playing the Jets and Giants doesn't sell, sell me at all on Buffalo yet. But it's definitely a good start. You'd rather yeah, be they, rather be two and zero than zero and two.
0: And they still got two games against Miami on their schedule too.
2: So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, One I'd of those will be my
1: survival's pick. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the big, I think the big test for Buffalo going forward is going to be, like, to tell me whether, because they're playing um, Cincinnati next week, so they have another pretty easy game next week that they should win. But the big test for me on how good they're going to be is in week four, they have their home game against the Patriots. So if they can go out and win that or at least make it a close game, then maybe I'll be a bit more sold on the Bills. But if they go into that game and just get blown out again, then,
3: yeah. you know,
1: it's just like, okay, you're – because they gave New England a fight last year in Buffalo. They just <clears throat> were handicapped by having Derek Anderson at quarterback and all that stuff. But, you know, we'll see.
0: Yeah. Uh, Seattle at Pittsburgh's our next game here, and uh, Seattle wins 28-26, another close win. Seattle's two and zero, but combined from their two games, they've only outscored opponents by three points. So that's really interesting, and. Eric was the only one that got that right. We kind of made fun of him a little bit on the last show about. Uh, wow, I wonder what Eric's doing picking Seattle, but
2: uh, no explanation needed. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I don't know if you caught that, Eric and I, I. I did. I okay. did notice that.
2: Yes, that yeah. I didn't notice the FS useless thing, but I did. I did notice the comment about me being the only one picking the Seahawks. So
3: <laughs> I,
2: I caught that. I caught that.
3: Okay.
0: <laughs> But uh, but since you know the Steelers are uh, Connor's team, and obviously big news with the quarterback position, uh, you know you can give your thoughts, Connor, on on the game and the outlook for the Steelers in the future.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't terribly optimistic about this season to begin with. Like, I still thought we were going to win the division and that we'd make the playoffs. I didn't think we were going to make a deep playoff run or anything, but. Uh, and yeah, now I'm, it's looking like uh, Zach actually sent me something on Twitter when the news was uh, broken that Roethlisberger is going to be done for the season. And he said, so where do you think this is going to take you? And I said, I think this is going to be the first time that the Steelers have a losing season under Tomlin. <laughs> like, I don't think it's going to be, you know, like three and 13 and anything like that. But I think like six and 10, seven and nine is probably a likely record for them at this point. Because they still have, you know, they still have pieces, they still have Juju, they still have James Conner, they still have the offensive line, and I mean, they just traded for Minka Fitzpatrick from the Miami Dolphins, so that brings a big improvement to the secondary, but, you know, having that hole at the quarterback when, you know, for the past, how many seasons is it now, 13 or 14 seasons, you've had a Hall of Fame quarterback under center, and now... You know, this is going to be the first time... Because, you know, there's been times in the past where Roethlisberger's got injuries, missed time, but this is the first time, Mm -hmm. you know, since 2004 that they're going to be without Roethlisberger for the whole season. So, uh, I mean... And we also talked about this before the podcast starts. It's pretty ironic that the Steelers traded away Josh Dobbs to the Jaguars a week before Roethlisberger goes down with a season-ending injury. (laughs) So... um. I mean, Mason Rudolph was brought in to be Ben's successor. So, I mean, he looked fairly decent in the time that he played. I mean, you know, his second pass was an interception, so that's not good. But, you know, after that, he didn't throw any more picks and he threw two touchdowns. So, I mean, who knows if he can get it done? Would it surprise me if the Steelers still went on to win 10 games and, you know, maybe contend for a wild card spot? I don't think so. I'm just not expecting it. So mm-hmm. I mean I'm I'm relegating myself to you know I'm not not getting my hopes up and not to be too disappointed if the season you know doesn't turn out well. Yeah.
3: yeah. That's so right.
1: <laughs> yeah. So which I mean unfortunately for me it's this is the first time in a while that this has happened but you know I'm not a bandwagon fan. I'm not going to let the Steelers <laughs> go just because they're having a bad season. You know, I'm loyal to them. I've been loyal to them for my whole life. So um Yeah, that's, and then that's, I mean, and the fact that the game, we still only lost the game by two points. I mean, it's, it's signs of encouragement. I mean, and also early in the game, the Steelers had a fumble recovery for a touchdown called back on a kind of a ticky tack block in the back call. Like the Mark, like Mark Barron was already gone for the touchdown and uh, the Steelers, like Tyler Lockett was trying to catch, run him down, but he, all likelihood wouldn't have caught him, but a Steelers guy came in and kind of gave him a little a little shove, and Lockett mm. just like completely flopped, and the ref threw a flag for blocking the back, and like obviously they got to keep the fumble recovery, but the touchdown got called back. So yeah, yeah, uh, not so. That's kind of my thoughts on the Steelers. I mean, I'm not getting my hopes up. My expectations are a lot lower now, but I mean, I hope Mason Rudolph does good. Mm-hmm. But the other interesting thing to note about Ben is that he he said he shut down any rumors that he said he's going to retire because that was the first thing that came out. was like, oh, (laughs) is Ben going to retire? Like, he's contemplated it before. And Ben shut that down, like, really quickly. He said, no, I'm going to play out my contract, which goes through the 2021 season. So, Roethlisberger will be back next season.
0: (laughs) All right. Uh, The next game here, Dallas at Washington, another divisional rivalry game played this week and dallas ended up winning by 10 points eric watched the game so i'll let him do most of the talking for it and i was the only one with washington another instance of picking the wrong wild card for my <laughs> this
3: uh, this was eric,
0: <laughs> eric what uh what are your thoughts on this game? yeah
1: but before so, eric starts on a side note this okay. was nate's uh survival pick he picked dallas oh so yeah he got okay. his right
2: Good pick, good pick. And I'll be, I'll be using the Cowboys next week since they're playing the Dolphins. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> i see a trend, a
1: trend building here. He picked New England this week.
3: And then...
2: I've, never, I've never been able to be... I haven't been able to be in the preview episodes yet because of my work schedule. So I'll just go ahead and give you that preview for yeah. next week, picking the Cowboys <laughs> over the Dolphins for survival. But um, after watching this game, uh, I I thought going into the season that Washington had a you know, decent defense on paper, but other than they did pretty well in the first half of the Philly game last week, but like since then, they have not been doing very well defensively at all. Uh, in the second half last week, Philly just ran all over them scoring like crazy. And other than it was either the first or second drive of this game where Dak Prescott had a bad throw behind a receiver that got deflected in the air and Washington intercepted it. Washington actually did have a 7 0 lead early in the game because of that. But other than that, I mean, this game was all Dallas. I mean, I think after that, Dallas scored like pretty much every time they had the ball. And Washington really just couldn't compete after that. I know they've had, they have had some injuries though. And so that might be part of why they're performing poorly on defensively right now. But after watching this game all the way through, like, Washington's going to mm-hmm. be a team that I will have trouble predicting, you know, games to win for them. When we, you know, cause like we go through all these games and predict who we think is going to win each one. Like, unless Washington's playing, like you know, like the Dolphins or something, Miami, like <laughs> I, yeah, which <if> they, <laughs> they will, will in some yeah, point, they will. I might, but until you know they have a game like that where I'm like okay they should definitely win that like I'm going to have I'm most likely going to be picking the other team like and maybe if they get some of their defensive players that are injured back then I'll reconsider it but they've had some, they had some okay moments offensively and I can't think of his name but they have a young wide receiver I know I think he was number 17 I McLaurin can't
0: remember or something like that Yeah,
2: McLaurin, that's right. Yeah. He he had a pretty good game in this like so um They've got you know some solid pieces, but I just I don't see them putting it together right now. I they're they're a team that's going to be difficult to predict winning many games going forward. So I'm I wanted obviously since uh, Susan and her family are Cowboys fans, I want to be like you know firm believers in the Cowboys. But kind of like uh, Connor's thing with the Bills earlier, like I. I want to see Dallas play, you know, somebody that's projected to be a good team first, because their first two wins were against the Giants and Redskins, and that was kind of that was to be expected. And of course, same thing against Miami next week. There, you know, they'll be expected to win that too. But so I'm, I'm waiting to see them play some, you know, legit competition. And then if they keep winning, then I'm definitely a believer in them. So I'm definitely not a non-believer. I did pick them to win the division, but. I want to I want to see how they do against some good competition though before I view them as like a you know Super Bowl contender or anything like that. But solid yeah, game for Dallas and that's pretty much all there is to say about this game.
1: Yeah. Well, the well, same as the Bills, their first the Cowboys' first big game is Week Four. They're going to be going to New Orleans to play the Saints. So we well, well, we'll, that's, we'll, that's, we'll, even, we'll that's even that's yeah.
2: even hard to say now with Drew Brees being out. Right. You know I I don't know. We'll have to see how New Orleans does in the next game without Breeze, but <laughs> yeah. Dallas might be getting a big break there with with that circumstance.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, Arizona at Baltimore was our next game, and we all predict the Baltimore right to win, and they did twenty three seventeen. 17 Jacksonville at Houston. Houston wins 13-12, and Nate and Connor both got it right, and... I was actually kind of surprised that Eric picked Jag- Jackson uh, to be. When I saw that, I was, I was surprised that, that he picked the Jaguar. But uh, I mean, obviously, regardless, we both wanted them to. Uh, you know, <laughs> you, you can you can only keep a certain amount of bias out of this. You know, out of this uh, this type of deal, but man, that that game was just so heartbreaking at the end because. Uh, I mean, so many chances to win. Like Ramsey had a, a pick six that he just dropped. Like he he had a wide open lane to score. Eric, you probably remember it. Like yes. and it just hit him right in the hands. He had a great. <laughs> I mean, like he had a a great move to get there in front of Hopkins and get the. And he really had a had a pretty good game against Hopkins overall. And the defense did as well. Like the only touchdown Houston scored was off of a, a Minshew fumble that put Houston in the red zone, and they were right there to score, and they got a touchdown off of it. And uh, obviously, though, the main thing people are going to be talking about this game with is the two point conversion call at the end. And I I like the call to go for two. Um, you're on the road with a rookie quarterback, and everything is going right for you. Like, you have just had two successful – you're playing your best football right now. You want to get the two-point conversion and take the lead. And the way your defense is playing, you're, you'll probably win the game. So I don't – I was actually a fan of Marone going for it there. And just because of that, the situation. And I will say though, I was not a fan of the play call because they kind of did the opposite of what was going well for him because Minshew was, you know, great on that drive, both running like scrambling around and and running for yards and throwing. Uh, I feel like they could have done like, uh, like a pick play rub play out to the side for like a run pass option. If, if he had a guy open, he could throw it. If he didn't, he could try and run for it. It's only two yards. And instead they give the ball to Fournette and run it up the middle with an offensive line that hadn't been getting the job done in the run game. And Fournette who hadn't really had too many big runs. Minshew actually had more rushing yards than Fournette did. Uh, and, I say that, I didn't like the call, but the ball was so close to crossing the goal line there. Initially, when I saw the play, I was like, oh, there's no way he made that. But then looking at the replay, I was like, oh, wow, it's actually pretty close. But, I mean, he was still short, and I feel like he could have done a better job on that play, put more effort in, and extended the ball out further because... Like, if you fumble, like, the game's on the line there. You have to put the ball out across the goal line. If you fumble it, you know, it's not like you're giving the ball to them at the one-yard line. So that's my thoughts on it, on the game. And we'll get more into the Ramsey trade talk in the next episode once we know more information. But another thing I wanted to say was, and I'm, I was actually wrong on this because I was going to – you know before the the trade request i was actually gonna enter the show with kind of like a mini rant with like how much coverage and attention and stuff is going on about the Ramsey versus marone on the sidelines like i didn't see that as that big of a deal i mean yeah you want to show the video because it's like you know it's like a clickbait type of reactionary video sensational sort of thing but I mean, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. Uh, it's a little bit weird that it was the head coach, not like a position coach. But still, I feel like the, announce- the the game broadcast crew was talking about that way longer than I thought was necessary. But it ended up being a trade request after that. So I can't fault them or can't really rant about that. But that was live when I was watching it. I was surprised by how much they were talking about that. And I thought it was kind of unnecessary. 'Cause you know, people get emotional, it's an emotional game, but but uh Eric, you're you're a fellow Jags fan. I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah.
2: Well and I I actually disagreed with the two point conversion call completely going into it. I mean, it's weird because it's like it's for all of the same reasons that you said, but I feel <laughs> differently because the the Jaguars had actually had two scoring drives in a row. And, like, they had a field goal. And, really, the field goal drive probably could have been a touchdown, but they had some offensive penalties that held them back. So, But, even still, they had a field goal and a touchdown and back-to-back drives. Houston's offense hadn't done anything other than that, basically, freebie red zone touchdown from the Minshew fumble. Why not trust that you could go into overtime and – either A, if you get the ball first, go down and score again, or B, if you go on defense first, that the defense can hold them again, and then the offense go down and score to win the game based on the way you're playing. Like, why why risk it all on one play? And I know it's only two yards or whatever, but, I mean, obviously, though, it cost him at the end. I mean, and and obviously hindsight's 2020, but I felt like going into it that I didn't like it before they like when the commentators were like, Oh, they're leaving the offense out there. I was like, Whoa, I don't know how I feel about this. Like I didn't like it. To be
0: fair though, to be fair though, I will say like, that's generally my, I generally do like going for two. I don't like when teams play it safe. I mean, I was even more so glad that they did because they were having success at the time for that. But generally, I am the kind of fan in person that is like, hey, if you can't get two yards on one play, you don't deserve to win. That's the way I look at it. Like, if you can't get two yards, then, you know, you shouldn't deserve to win the game. But that's, that's just my my thoughts on it. I want to hear Connor. Yeah. I mean, I, I, guess, I guess
2: if, like, if, say if say if it was like the opposite if like the Jaguars had been winning the whole game and then suddenly Houston had come back and got the lead and then we score again to like be down by one. in that case, I'm more willing to go for two because I'm like man they've got a, the other team's got a lot of momentum. You know, let's they, you know, they've scored a bunch of points in a row. We're probably not going to be able to stop them in overtime. Let's see if we can win the game here and get the two point conversion. Like, if it had been like that, I would have, I think I would have been a lot more okay with them going for the two, but I felt like all the momentum was on our side to not risk at all on one play. But yeah, Connor, what do you, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I, my opinion is that I have to agree with Eric's side on this is that I agree that if you are like, you know, your defense has held the Texans to, I mean, obviously, you know, 13 points. But like you said, their only touchdown that they got was that um, was mm-hmm. when they had when they had the short turnover yeah. and yeah, the short field and the turnover. So if your defense has just been dominating them like that, and also your offense is hot, you know it's kind of like a situation to where like I remember in the if I go back to the Super Bowl fifty one with the Patriots and the Falcons, like when the Patriots got that you know game tying touchdown or like you know the touchdown to make it twenty eight to twenty seven at the end of the of the game, why they went for the extra point instead of the um, instead of the two point conversion because you know, their offense had all of the momentum in the fourth quarter. Their defense had been shutting down the Falcons in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, trust your defense. Take the extra point. Trust them to get a stop, which obviously they didn't have to because the Patriots got the ball first. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that was their mindset was they were going to trust their defense and that, you know, and they were going to trust their offense to get the point. So, yeah, and like I get a lot of I I mostly agree with what Eric was saying that if the other team was winning the whole time or like if they had you know had the momentum then yeah go for two take the risk it's worth it but in that scenario I think the Jaguars really should have just kicked the extra point and gone to overtime when they had the momentum
0: yeah so I mean that's definitely something we you know we, we disagree on because like I see your points like it's Totally contradicting, though. It's not, like, di- different things. Like, we're talking about the same thing, but, like, I'm like, okay, they're doing so great. Just, you know, just get one more play. You're already playing great. You might as well keep doing it. But then, like, you're saying, like, oh, you're already playing gate. Just great. Just let it go to overtime and then keep playing great. But, but yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> we'll, we'll see, you know, if that costs them later in the season. But uh, really, really close game. And then Oakland at Kansas City. We all got that right. Kansas City won 28-10. I should have used that as my survival pick. But, uh, <laughs> that was
1: a much lower score than I thought it would be.
0: Yeah. Uh, credit Oakland for holding Casey to 28. As crazy as that sounds like. They did a good job for uh, for only holding Kansas City to 28 points. And then
3: yeah.
0: Chicago at Denver. This you know was a pretty interesting game. It was my survival pick that I lost. Chicago won sixteen fourteen game winning field goal, but uh, Connor was following this game closer than I was, so I'll let him.
1: Talk yeah, well, about this. if I want to give like a little mini rant yeah. here for a second, I want to rant on Fox, like you know, Fox mm-hmm. the sport, Fox Sports, because I mean, I was messaging Zach when this was going on. You know, this game was really close and it was going down to the wire, and you know. Whereas on Fox at the time, was at least, you know, in certain areas of the country, this game was on. Mm-hmm. But for the, most of the country, in, including North Carolina, Florida, Texas, where we all live, it was the Rams and Saints was on. And the fact that at that time, when this game was so close, the Rams and Saints, the Rams were up 27 to nine. Like, we're going to get to that in a second. Like, mm-hmm. it was already 27 to nine. There were two minutes, two and a half minutes left. And the Rams had the ball. And I'm like, why can't you just... Like switch over to the like this game is over, like obviously barring some miraculous miracle somehow some way which wasn't going to happen. Why can't or why can't you just switch over to the Chicago Denver game and yeah. like show that? But like, oh no, the NFL has all these rules as to where we can't show these games, and it's like I, I don't understand why they can't do that. It just seems silly to me, but I guess it's all to do with money and stuff. So anyway, but. <laughs> Yeah, no, the end of the game was crazy. I mean, I know just that last sequence of plays for Denver, like how they had the PAT literally took three different tries. The fact that they went down there and they got – it was a beautiful pass from Joe Flacco to uh, Emmanuel Sanders for the touchdown because the the drive before that, Denver had a chance to tie the game before that, but Flacco threw an interception in the red zone, which I was like – I was watching that game and I was like, oh – Typical Joe Flacco throwing interceptions in the red zone. Um, and then they started they started driving down there. And I was like, Flacco's going to find a way to screw it up again. You know, I watched him so much playing for the Ravens. Um, but no, beautiful pass to Emmanuel Sanders for the touchdown. And then then the craziness happened where they were like, okay, we're going to get – they had the same mindset that the, uh, that the Jaguars had. Like they wanted to go for two. They wanted to win. Like they had the momentum. They wanted to do it. So they went for two. And they, uh, they got it, but then it got called back. I think it was um, like a legal formation or an illegal substitution, some five-yard penalty that Denver got called for. Uh, so then they were like, okay, well, now we're, instead of being two yards away, we're seven yards away, so let's just kick the extra point and, you know, maybe send it to overtime. So they go to kick the extra point, and McManus misses the extra point. So they're thinking, oh, man, well, that sucks. Now the game's over. But then Chicago gets called for offside. So now it's moved back to the two-yard line. And Denver thinks, okay, well, let's go for two again. <laughs> like Let's try this again. And they get it. So Denver finally gets it on the third try. And they go up 14-13. to 13. And then who would have guessed that for Chicago, they would win the game on a 53-yard field goal. Um, granted, their kicker that they have now is a lot better than Cody Parkey. But... After what happened last year, I don't think anybody expected that to happen. It's
0: yeah, it's in Denver too, so that gives the advantage. But still, like, yeah, this that that, uh, that
1: doesn't it helps with distance. It doesn't help with accuracy.
0: Yeah, that is true. (laughs) But um, but yeah, so Denver saw their home opening game losing streak end. It's just unfortunate. I had to predict (laughs) the one that they ended their streak on.
1: Yeah, since Uh, 1999, they had lost a home opener.
0: I guess it's every 20 years, but... <laughs> <laughs> so we got to wait 20 years for them to lose again in their opener at home, but I don't know, guys. Are
1: you going to lock that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not locking anything for a while. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I took the survival strike there. The next game, New Orleans at Los Angeles Rams, like uh, Connor mentioned before, the score was pretty lopsided, 27-9 to in favor of the Rams. And I guess this was... Kind of like the Detroit one. My like the only other one where I picked the Rams. I was kind of surprised nobody else did, but I was the only one that got that right. And uh, Eric, you want to talk about a another t- instance of officiating? Kind of
3: screwing yeah, over man, the Saints.
2: The, yeah, this. I mean. This one I wouldn't say it was as crazy as the NFC Championship game because obviously it wasn't like at the very end of the game in a close game, but this was still a sucky moment for the Saints because Goff clearly fumbled on a pass and when he got his arm hit and Saints player scoops it up about to run in easily for a you know defensive touchdown. But it didn't count because the refs blew the whistle blowing the play dead.
1: It's like Miles so, Jack all over again. <laughs>
2: yeah, man. I mean, it's, 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 it blows my mind when these refs, when these plays like this happen, that they don't let it play out because they can always use the review to go back mm-hmm. and overturn it if they need to. But when you blow it dead, you can't say, oh, well, they still get the touchdown. So, I mean, and obviously the Rams won the game 27-9. to 9, So you would think, well, maybe that probably didn't have – much of an effect on the game, but it was pretty early in the game, so who knows how things would have played out. I mean, based on the score, you would think the Rams probably still end up winning, but, you know, that type of stuff is huge in games like that, and I know I was watching a little bit of the Browns-Jets game at the end, and I guess they had some guy who's like, I can't remember his name, but I guess he's like the head of officiating or something, and he addressed how they like you know got that wrong and they need to you know they needed to be better next week because they had that critical mistake or whatever so I mean I'll give them kudos for admitting they were wrong but you know the, if you're a Saints fan like you don't want to hear that yeah especially no, that, after that, after that doesn't make you feeling year.
1: like you got screwed again
2: yeah exactly so yeah. I, I mean and I the Saints are a team that you know, I mean, obviously they're not my favorite team. I me being a Jags fan, but I mean, I like them. So, Drew Brees is my favorite player in the NFL. And of course he got hurt, which sucks, but
3: he's gonna be I mean, for six weeks you know,
2: so this, as long as he's on the Saints, like a team, I want to be cool with. So like, you know, really, and I like Alvin Kamara too, being a Tennessee Vol. So like, I like the Saints, but man, that, you know, that really sucks for them that it seems like this keeps happening to them. Yeah.
1: Want, want, uh, the, Ram- want the Rams to lose this to yeah. it to uncle Mike. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh. I hope he's not listening. <laughs> uh, shout out!
3: Make shout out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make it better by saying a shout out. <laughs> uh, the Sunday night game, uh, Eagles at Falcons, and the Falcons uh, ended up winning twenty four to twenty. Connor and I got it right, and I watched. Glimp. I watched parts of this game. Uh, this came down to the end. Too. So it was like the Bears, uh, Broncos, Texans, Jags, last possession. And uh, really, what I noticed a lot was a lot of injuries. I mean, Philadelphia had to deal with almost every receiver getting hurt in some way. Uh, and then some offensive linemen getting hurt. Wentz got hurt, but came back and played. So I. To me, and it was at Atlanta. To me, while at, Atlanta won, they really had to win this. If they had ended up losing, with all these injuries going on with Philly at home on the Sunday night game, already zero and one, this was a this was a must-win game for them. I think to, you know, because you don't want to go down zero and two. The percent of making the playoffs is twelve. You know, twelve percent of teams that are 0 to end up making the playoffs. That's not very good. And, uh, so I, I feel like they kind of had to win this, but it wasn't as inspiring as maybe it could have been, or maybe I thought it was going to be, uh, considering all the stuff that was happening to Philly, but in the NFL and wins a win. And, uh, I know they're glad they had it. Philly had a chance to win the game at the end, but they couldn't get it done. And, I, I don't think this is uh, going to make, you know, I don't think Philly's going to fall off the map after this loss. They're still going to be in it. And uh, so that, that's kind of my thoughts on the game. But Connor watched it more in depth, so he can share yeah. it us too. So.
1: Yeah, I think the main thing for Atlanta in this game was just Matt Ryan again. I mean, Matt Ryan hurt them a lot in the game against the Vikings, and he was just making some stupid throws. I mean... He threw. There was like a sequence where there was like three or four possessions, and like two of those he threw interceptions on, and he like threw three total in the game. And I'm just and some of them, like one of them, he threw it into like triple. Like he was trying to force it to Austin Hooper in the end zone, and in the end zone it was like triple coverage. I'm like, why would you even throw that? Like, you know, maybe like why why not like throw up a fade to Julio Jones or something? Like instead of trying to throw it into triple coverage, but. So I think that's what really kept Philadelphia in the game, was just Matt Ryan playing horribly because the rest of the offense, I mean, Devontae Freeman didn't have the most inspiring game, but I mean, Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley were making plays all over the place. So, I mean, a pretty big uh, game for them. And the defense, I mean, they held Philadelphia's offense to 20 points. I mean, I know you said Wentz got hurt and the offensive line was a little bit banged up, but Wentz was only out for one possession, which Mm -hmm. a side note on that, Wentz was, they, you know, Josh McCown was on that possession and, you know, like he, he was leading the charge and I have no idea about halfway or towards the end of that possession, they put Wentz back in the game and I couldn't for the life of me wonder why they did that because McCown was actually playing really good and, you know, they were marching down the field with McCown and quarterback. Why would you take the hot quarterback out and then you're putting in this, you know, putting Wentz back in. I know he's good and all, but Wentz has been sitting on the sideline the whole possession, and McCown is out there making throws and getting first downs and stuff. So it's like you almost you kill the whole momentum of the drive by doing that. And, you know, sure enough, Philadelphia only came away with a field goal on that possession. So I don't know why they did that. But then, <coughs> but then they had, uh, um, when Philadelphia went down the field for that final possession, I mean, they, um, like, you know, Zach Ertz, we were, Zach and I also talked about this at the end, you know, it was a fourth and 10 and Zach Ertz caught the ball about a yard short of the first down and credit at the Atlanta guy it was a ridiculously good tackle, but, you know, Zach was saying how he thought he, Ertz could have stretched out for
0: Yeah, I thought he could, down. kind of like the Fournette thing, you gotta put a little bit more effort with the game on the line.
3: Yeah. You know,
0: it'd do one thing if it was a normal third down, like, in the middle of the game, but... you got to try a little bit more, because if you fumble it, you fumble it like the game's going to be over if you don't get it. So you might as well try and and do it, but try it harder, I should say.
1: Right, yeah, because that was my reasoning, was I said, I was like, well... I'm pretty sure the reason why he didn't do that was, A, I thought, you know, he was worried about fumbling. But B, I think in his mind, he thought he already got it because he was really close. Yeah. But but I think he kind of realized too late. He went to go stretch the ball out and was like, oh, now it's too late because now I'm getting pulled back. So I don't know. But mm-hmm. yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. So and then the Monday night game that concluded before we started the show, uh, the Browns had no problem in the win against the Jets. Twenty three to three and uh poor Eric for picking the jets here and not going back to change <laughs> it before it started. Um, he's the only one that got it wrong. But uh I know yeah, he was I upset I, about I, mean, I did in,
2: I did make this pick before it came out that Sam Darnold had mono, so uh, but I also in fairness, I didn't go back and change it, so Yeah. <laughs> you did have time
0: <laughs> yeah i i wouldn't have cared if you changed it but uh well
2: i guess because y'all had already done the preview podcast and yeah so
0: it that's weird true weird
2: if like then on the results like i changed it be like oh you changed it after like i don't
0: know i just i just <laughs> thought, like, It's only one game. Like it's not gonna matter in the course. If I lose
2: the overall season standings by one game, though, I will be pissed at myself for not (laughs) not going back and changing. If if you lose by one, yeah, it's a tie, right? (laughs) Oh man, that hopefully that shouldn't happen. So
1: (laughs) yeah,
0: with all the games and stuff. All right, but uh, but yeah, that's gonna wrap this up, guys. Uh, I guess we
1: should check the standings before we wrap it up. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, we're talking about them right there. Um, so here we are guys. So the NFL record, I'm 16 and 15, Eric's 18 and 13, Connor's 19 and 12, and Nate is in first place with so 21 and 10 is his record. And then, uh, going from worst to first in the college games, Connor and Nate are tied at 20 and 23, and I'm leading at 24 and 19, so... Those are the standings, and uh, the first place is still the same from week one. Nate's still leading NFL. I'm still leading college, but it's closing a little bit. The margins are closing.
1: Definitely so a little be interesting because Nate, Nate only got two wrong in the first week. So
0: Yeah, two wrong. He's got ten losses, so that's, that's a pretty <laughs> big difference. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I hope you guys enjoyed. And we'll have the predictions video coming out on Friday with, you know, stories and stuff with these trades and more, more knowledge about injuries and what we think will happen in week three. But uh, I hope you guys enjoyed and I'll see you guys next time.
1: Bye. Peace.